here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Everything Evolves, the world's only podcast devoted exclusively to Evolve Wrestling. We are, of course, proud members of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. If you're joining us for the first time, make sure, make sure that you subscribe. You can subscribe to us individually, uh, Everything Evolves, or you can subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network at VoicesOfWrestling.com or on the podcast app of your choice. If you're looking for us on Twitter, we're at EvolvePod. And, of course, your host, the wrong boys, A.B., I'm at Aaron Like the Car, A.T. is at A.P. Taub. But we are joined for the first time by a new guest. Her name is Kara. You might know her from Twitter. Kara, say hello to the Evolve Podheads. Yeah, uh, you pretty much got it. I'm Kara from Twitter. Uh, hello. Uh, I guess I am the first official wrong girl. Is that correct? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Thank Wonderful. you. Uh, Kara, are you, are you an Evolve head or, uh, how often are you watching Evolve? I am very, um, irregularly into Evolve. Um, probably, probably my, uh, my biggest connection to Evolve is being a fan of, uh, fan of the cast, fan of you two guys. And I, and I check out, check out the promotions that I can. I, uh, I have, I have my favorites that I've tried to seek out and I have certainly guys in these cards that I have never seen before in my life. So it's, uh. Good, good experience to really dig in deep into two shows for this cast. I hope everyone who is listening who has some ties to Evolve is making note that we're, we're bringing fans to the promotion. We're bringing uh, eyeballs fans. to the show. I mean, <laughs> like, so at least one. Uh, well, what do you normally watch, Cara? Or what do you uh, yeah. to? Yeah, yeah. So I'm obviously like 90% of the wrestling internet. I'm a big New Japan head. Um, and, you know, I'm bouncing around a lot of different promotions where I can. I try to try to absorb everything I can. Watch All Japan recently. Watch uh, CMLL. Watch a um, little bit of WWE. <laughs> you know how that is these days. But sure. um, certainly, like, by... You can't not be aware of WWE if you're in the sphere, even if you don't seek it out. So that's kind of how it goes. But yeah. Um, and so... I enjoy Evolve, and I enjoy uh, a lot of these guys when I see them outside of Evolve, so good time. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing about uh, the guys that you weren't mm-hmm. familiar with and, like, your kind of first takes on them. Absolutely. AT, are you in the building? Yeah, I'm here. Woo! What's up? We were worried about you, but you're you're here. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm here. It was looking like I might not uh, be able to make the cast because I've just been super busy. Um, Mr. Too Damn Socialist. Mr. Too Damn Socialist. Mr. Canvas Your Girl. So that she'll have a really good impression of the candidate when she gives you the flyer that I gave her. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've been busy and I, I went to Angels in America on Saturday night. And then Sunday I was like canvassing and doing other like background work for the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez campaign uh, during the day. And I was like, oh, God, am I going to be able to finish these shows before Monday? But because of the flexible nature of my job, I was able to uh, take today off and catch up on Evolve. So I binge watched the two shows back to back today, which will have an effect on my reviews. So I apologize in advance if I'm unfairly harsh on things, because I think that uh, it probably would have been better if I spaced out my viewing instead of watching like six hours of wrestling straight. But um, but yeah, I made it I, because I'm committed to the pod. I'm committed to... My co-host, I'm committed to the listeners, and I just kind of came through and showed up on my own podcast. <laughs> what a, what well, a trooper. Congratulations. Congratulations yeah. on having a very uh, New York weekend there and uh, between the theater and the DSA work. Yeah, thank you. Uh, some of our friends did ask for theater reviews, so let's hear how uh, Angels in America was, AT. Angels in America was very good, but very long. I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, out there listening, but Angels in America is like uh, it's in two parts. It's this play. It's called it's it's called the Gay Fantasia on national themes. It takes place uh, in 1985 in New York during the AIDS epidemic, and it covers these gay men and uh, one of their Mormon wives and. Um, you know, it's great. It's really, really good, but it's like seven hours long. And the way that you do it is like you go to the first part at 1 p.m. And then the second part is at 7 p.m. So like by the third act of the second part, I was like, I can't remember a time when I was not at Angels in America. <laughs> um, but it was really good. If you go to see it, definitely go to the first part on Tuesday and the second part on Thursday or something like that. That don't, um, you know, don't try to just give your entire Saturday to the theater. Mm. But yeah, I was uh, really, I was not let down by uh cishet AT explaining angels in America. To our, <laughs> to our listeners. No, but, but on a serious note, I mean, it was really good. I really enjoyed, like, it's kind of interesting, like the, cause there was like a juxtaposition of like the politics of the time um, versus like the personal lives of the characters. And I don't know. It's, kind of fucking insane that all this happened and our government just let these people die um, because they were, you know, Ronald Reagan was like a piece of shit homophobe and all these people were just dying of AIDS and they didn't give a shit. And like, I don't know, it's kind of, you really saw in these pers- people's lives, the direct effect of like the social fabric ripping apart in America. A lot of the play is about um, what we owe each other, right? Like one character, his boyfriend is dying of AIDS and he's like, I can't handle this. And he walks away. And so it's like a lot about like, you know, what we owe each other. And it was interesting that sort of um, you were exploring the responsibilities that we have to each other on a personal level as like the responsibility that we have to each other, like societally, like the government has to its people was just being totally ripped mm-hmm. to shreds. Uh, you heard it here first on Evolve Pod. Uh, Ronald Reagan was a piece of shit homophobe. 
<laughs> I hope that you haven't heard the here first. You should hear that every day of your lives. But uh, yeah. Thank you, AT. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. By the by the way, if it isn't obvious, of course the Aaron's got another extreme leftist to get on the cast. <laughs> well, more of a real up. leftist. We found a real none of this uh, <laughs> none of this electoral politics. Oh, we got a we got a real one here. Yeah, yeah. Should I do that? Should I do that bit now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, there's a lot of people online, um, especially uh, in the Voices of Wrestling sphere. Joe Lanza, I'm calling you out specifically, oh, uh, who refer, refer to the host of this cast as the communist Aryans. And let me tell you, these people, they're democratic socialists, they're entryists, they are just absolutely working within this corrupt system in ways that cannot possibly be justified. If you want to meet a real communist, there's plenty, plenty around, mostly on the internet, probably... <laughs> Probably all on the internet. Let's not lie, but um, no, no, none of this electoral crap. Please get that out of here. Get that out of here. Read some Lenin. <laughs> Read some Lenin. Well, there you go. It's a strong take. Yeah, we uh, we were going to do this great show with Cara, but it sounds like now we really should just shut down this show um, and crawl into uh, under some rocks somewhere. <laughs> I just think that's what Cara's suggesting is that we suck. No. Oh, I- well, let me tell you, we can all bond over evolved professional wrestling. <laughs> we're all we're all comrades for um, the uh, great leader Gabe. Yeah, it we're really uh, the skulk. I would That's say. That's right. That's yeah. right. Skulk yeah, comrades. I mean, yeah, solidarity with the skulk. Yeah, the, the skulk is a very like kind of kind of has that whole group solidarity dynamic in a in a way that I as a leftist extremely appreciate. Absolutely. All right. Well, I guess. Uh, Actually, we're not going to talk about the shows next. We are going to review the shows. Evolve 104 in Summit, Illinois, and Evolve 105 in Livonia, Michigan. We're going to break down both of those. We'll talk about Keith Lee leaving the promotion. We'll talk about Shane Strickland's debut and uh, the debuts of several other new uh, wrestlers in Evolve. But before that, if you listened last week, you heard us talk about All In. And uh, the way we viewed it was as a win uh, for workers in the professional wrestling uh, landscape, but we got uh, some pretty interesting pushback on Twitter, uh, most notably from Dylan Hales. And Dylan uh, rightfully talked about the fact that we did not mention that the uh, the Bucks and Cody were doing this with the support of capital, if not downright, you know, just using uh, their capital. Uh, in that they had Ring of Honor and New Japan in some ways, helping them out. Obviously, uh, Kazuchika Okada is on the show and there's Ring of Honor talent on the show. And, you know, perhaps they could have shut this down if they wanted to, but they didn't. So what do we say about the fact that there is some support of capital uh, for All In? My response to that is, well, we live in a capitalist society. We live under capitalism. It would be nearly impossible to put together something of this magnitude without the use or support of uh, big capital. And if you are able to use capital to which you have access to uh, create something that helps workers, I don't know, Cara's going to say I'm working within the system again, I think, but uh, <laughs> I feel like that's a, I feel like that's a positive. Yeah. I'll let, I'll let uh, Cara take this one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, no, um, I am a, uh, I'm above all else a material realist, and I understand that the world that we're living in and where um, where things have to be manufactured, uh, 
in the world we're living in. So I absolutely agree with you that, um, you know, that um, especially in terms of um, these workers sort of like leveraging um, their relationship with capital and the opportunities that that existing capital can bring to like build something that's explicitly uh, independent of capital, you know, the young bucks and uh, the young bucks especially, but I mean, uh, everyone else sort of involved and in all in like kind of using all these resources that, you know, they're uh, ROH and New Japan exposure to kind of build their own things, you know, they trademarked um, the elite as their own kind of brand, you know, uh, separate from New Japan, instead of using the Bullet Club branding that is owned by Capital, they they very easily could have just called this a Ring of Honor show and just sold out 10,000 seats that way and just been happy about that. But they wanted, they really wanted their own thing, you know, in, in whatever form that happens. And that's how this all in was created. So I absolutely agree. And, you know, um, I think that it is possible to post about capitalism, even though your iPhone was created by capitalism. <laughs> uh, and that's another thing, what Carr is getting at about, well, what are they using capital or to what end are they using capital? And I think something that's being missed in the response to all in, and I, I don't know, maybe we didn't talk about it enough. I just think people are not thinking big enough when it comes to where this can go or what can happen. You know, I heard uh, the guys on the flagship talk about, well, when's all in two coming? How many shows are they going to start doing? Who cares how many shows they're going to do or when the next one is coming up. The question to me is, are they going to use this momentum and this leverage to create something sustainable for uh, the workers in professional wrestling? I would love, and on the other spec, on the other end of the spectrum, I've seen pushback about, about, well, they can't form a union because those have always been doomed within professional wrestling. And I'm not even saying that they have to form uh, a union as it's uh, traditionally known. But what I'm suggesting is there are ways to create something that is going to live on that will help workers. One big uh, suggestion that I've always had uh, that I want to get into more at length, maybe not on this episode, but at another time is some sort of, uh, you see this out in, in Las Vegas with uh, restaurant workers, but some sort of fund for injured workers. Because what we see now is wrestlers having to go to GoFundMe every time something bad happens in their life. Why can't we start now with all the money they're going to make on All In and build a fund that wrestlers can pull out of when they have to miss bookings due to injuries? Uh, something like that. Let's think a little bigger about something they can do uh, based on the success of of this one show. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I agree with all of that. Yeah, I think that like it's not a done deal. You know, I wasn't trying to say that like this was a huge workers' revolt, and certainly I acknowledge ROH and New Japan's you know contributions to the show. But but yeah, like. All, all I think that we were trying to say is that there's an opening for them to really do some things that kind of wasn't in existence, you know, five years ago. Yeah, and I just think it's a positive sign that that the uh, the wrestlers themselves are thinking this way, are thinking, you know, we want to build this thing for ourselves at all, you know, whatever form that takes, you know, whether... Um, you know, like I said, it could just be more shows, and that would be kind of disappointing, but I mean... Even even so, it would still be something because they would theoretically be getting the workers a larger cut of that and cutting capital 
to some extent out, but I mean, it, but just having this mindset of we, the workers united are the ones that are producing the value here. It can lead to all sorts of things. So I, it's all in as a show is definitely just a first step in terms of this kind of worker awareness, but it's, it's, it's promising. And it's about to become even more important, I think, because uh, if you haven't seen yet, WWE apparently has a deal with Fox for SmackDown to air on its network for over the next five years or starting in 2019, five years after that, for approximately one billion dollars. And so you can only imagine where creative is going to go (laughs) with WWE (laughs) and and how they're going to access, Mm. how they're going to use uh, those funds to try to stamp out other people and other uh, promotions. So if there's something that's already building up outside of that universe uh, now, uh, it's going to be very necessary over the next five years. Okay. Well, I guess that's the, uh, the socialist part of everything evolves. We didn't get any tweets at our normal account about like, Oh, I skipped uh, the socialism part. So maybe the timestamps worked or maybe We've just called our listeners into like uh, the leftist part of Twitter. Yeah. (laughs) What was that car? I missed it. I think, I think you've probably just driven all the right us off to be honest. Okay. Whatever, you know, or, or we're just winning the hearts and minds Mm -hmm. uh, as, uh, as Gramsci said we would through culture, right? (laughs) It's true. Gramsci did say that. Yeah. (laughs) The best. The best thing no one ever heard on this podcast was me uh, pronouncing that person's name before uh, before a show. I like looked it up on online to find a good pronunciation, and I said it to At, and he like laughed me out of the room. No, no, no. Yeah, I don't know. I probably said it wrong. I don't. You know. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I was just copying Aaron. I, I don't. I don't yeah, I learned I've only seen that name in text. Let's be honest. It's like yeah, right. It's like Gramsci. Or something all right, like all right, cool. Everybody's, well, everybody's right laughing now. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll, Dylan will correct us. He's read a lot of books. <laughs> yeah. Erica is Italian, so sure. Oh yeah, Erica Pizza Pasta could uh, could tell us how it's said. Yeah, I'm sorry for calling it <laughs> cast, not a pot, Erica. I'm sorry. <laughs> Shout out to Erica. Okay, moving into the Evolve universe a little bit. Uh, something else. I guess our whole show, like our format, is just determined by tweets we get now. But something else I wanted to talk about was someone was talking before our last show about that Gabe was Gabe Spolsky, the Evolve promoter, was in danger of letting Evolve lose its identity by really tying the promotion in with WWE. Uh, Another of our friend on Twitter, Oakgen, pointed out to us that when Austin Theory won the WWN championship in New Orleans, uh, Lenny Leonard's initial reaction wasn't, Oh, you know, Austin Theory is the new WWN champion. It was Austin Theory is going to access. So it feels like the promotion is trying to tie itself more and more in with WWE. And, you know, you kind of wonder, like, how that's going to affect them going forward, especially in a world where things like All In are really capturing the imagination of wrestling fans. So it seems like they're in a weird place. Uh, AT. What do you think about the identity of Evolve now and kind of going forward with this relationship with the Fed? Yeah, I think that I want to shout out uh, Brian Ketty was the person who said that first on Twitter at BTK828 uh, was the person who sort of great take wrote was, 
I understand why he did it, because in six months to a year, they'll be on the network and none of this will matter. But this was a major misstep by, by Gabe. It makes me question if he understands who his audience is. So yeah. this, was, this was about Gabe's tweet about the WWE stock price. Right, exactly. Um, and yeah, I think it is an interesting place to be because it's like, it's kind of funny because it's like on one hand, you have people like Austin Theory and Stokely Hathaway this weekend, sort of Austin Theory over Mania weekend, Stokely Hathaway this weekend, sort of like threatening, like, oh, I'm just going to go off to WWE. <laughs> like they're the bad guys and they're like, I'll sell Couch Point to the WWE and Austin Theory being like, Evolve is just a stepping stone for me to get to WWE. But meanwhile, so like internally, it's acknowledged like the reality that like, I don't know, maybe this is reading too much into it, but like internally, it's like WWE is like where the bad guys go. Like the only the bad guys explicitly talk about going to WWE, right? Mm-hmm. Like Keith Lee didn't, I don't think he said like explicitly was like, I'm going mm-hmm. to WWE. Um you know, so it's like kind of funny that like the bad guys are like, oh, the bad, the shitty thing us shitty people are going to do is go to the bad company that everybody hates. Um, but by this, but like outside of kayfabe, outside of the shows, like all the Evolve emails were like, you can join the WWE if you like come to our seminars and like we're getting people booked at Access and, and things and on, on NXT. So it's it's kind of like an interesting pickle to be in because um so it's a definitely a double-edged sword in the sense that WWE is a huge promotional help to them, I think, like having them on their website and stuff. Certainly it allows them to get better talent who are hoping to go to WWE. Like it's a full relationship and it's I mean it's a huge part of why the promotion has been as successful as it has these past couple of years. But you're also like aligning yourself with like, I don't know, the hardcore wrestling fans don't really like WWE as a company anymore. They may like individual wrestlers, but I think that WWE has such contempt for the kind of people who watch Evolve, right? Like they've given them NXT, but like the main roster programming, like if you watched WrestleMania, like WWE is just spitting in your face and serving you Roman Reigns and putting Daniel Bryan in a tag team match with Shane McMahon. They hate you. Yeah, that's objectively true. Absolutely. Cara, as a, a more casual fan of Evolve, what, what do you think of its identity, especially as it ties more in with WWE? Right, right. So I uh, definitely have the same observations as Aaron Taub. Um I have to specify which Aaron. <laughs> I'm the only one who has to talk to two Aarons. Um, that in that, yeah, it's it's just this really really strange kind of um, dissonance that you have to that you have to navigate while while watching evolve because yeah you have the like the text itself like Gabe knows that WWE is a heelish thing to his entire audience that's pointed pointed out to you know by the character work but yeah you just have this you have this relationship that's you know slowly. Um, especially behind the scenes, becoming to being like that's the thing that's differentiating Evolve from like any other sort of indie is that they have this close in relationship and uh, just it's yeah it, it all it, it definitely puts Evolve in a, in a very strange place overall and kind of like and yeah um, I don't know if anyone uh, else in here has seen a hypernormalization by Adam Curtis. It's a great film, uh, but sure. just, 
Yep. Yeah, they have. have. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Um, yeah, it just puts you, uh, there, there are video on here and Aaron is kind of just doing like little skull dance about it. So that's great. Um, <laughs> about having seen a film. Just having a hyper normal one over here. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so no, it just, ref it just kind of reflects the, we know in our hearts, this reality where the WWE are the bad guys and they are, you know, doing harmful things for, for the creative art of wrestling as a whole. But um, when you're someone like Gabe Sapolsky um, and, you know, your business fortune are tied to them, then you have to kind of, you're not even lying, but you just kind of like have to make yourself believe that you're living in this world where like, yeah, this, this is the world we have and it's good it's good when WWE stock price goes up. It's great, even though I don't own stock. So, you know, that's that's kind of the place that Gabe, you know, as a promoter has to put himself in, even though, like, the kind of, the more kind of cathartic thing that he's setting out, which, you know, his booking, what letting his heels care, letting, using WWE as an explicitly heel entity, kind of belies what we all actually know to be true. Does it, does it turn you off at all to the, to the um to evolve knowing like how tied in they are with wwe um like it, i don't know if turns off is the right word but there there always is kind of a strange feeling whenever it comes up there's always like yeah i don't i don't really like that but um i think it's um it doesn't feel like wwe is like controlling the content of evolve that much more than it is um any other promotion, you know, because it's like signing guys, signing guys away from every promotion, you know, your key fleas are going to be disappearing at a rate from, you know, every promotion in the world. So, I mean, it, I don't, I don't think it's like a, I don't think it's ruining Evolve, but it, it, it does leave you with like a, 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 just kind of a weird taste in your mouth in terms of like, what media do I, you know, morally like to consume as a, right. as an anti-capitalist. Yeah. Aaron, we had this conversation a while back uh, talking about, Evolve's brand. And I think we kind of settled on that Gabe is the brand and the draw of Evolve is, hey, you get to see these these guys before they go to WWE. Um, and, and we see, I kind of feel like there was a time when that was really cool. Maybe in 2008, it was cool that you saw these guys back in 2006 when they were in Ring of Honor. Um, but I, I think that more had to do with like we had to put up with the crap that WWE fed us because it was the main product that we could get if we if we love professional wrestling. I know you could for a long time you could get Japanese wrestling and all sorts of stuff, but it still was there was no other major league promotion. And as we've seen all in, as we've seen New Japan expand into the United States, I just wonder if people aren't as excited about seeing the farm leagues for WWE when they'd rather see somebody building up something outside of that, uh, outside of that universe. Absolutely. I think that two things have happened. One is with just like the fatigue over time of like seeing, cause it used to be like, I think two things. Well, one thing happened was the WWE, like um, to their credit, like raised our expectations in the sense for a long time, it was like they just weren't really taking big indie stars. So just like 
seeing Brian Danielson and CM Punk in WWE was like totally that was like you know Dianu right that was enough right so just seeing those guys and and to see those guys go to WWE and get treated better than like Paul London and and Spanky was like amazing you know um but then I think people just got worn down well too, their their expectations were raised by like seeing what Daniel Bryan did CM Punk obviously was huge um seeing what you know guys like Seth Rollins did it's like they gave us a taste of this idea that like there really is no reason why they do what they do right there's no reason why the top indie stars can't go to WWE become huge mega stars and like be in good storylines there's no reason the main roster has to be shitty except for the like the guy who runs it has shitty taste you know like so I think that people like seeing Brian Danielson go to WWE, be in the main event in front of a, an insane WrestleMania audience losing its shit. They were like, oh, there's no reason for this product not to be what we want it to be. Or at least for like parts of this product to be what we want it to be, right? Even if Roman Reigns is in the main event, there's no reason that the storylines have to be so stupid and, and insult our intelligence all the time. There's no reason that you know, you can't have a meaningful second or third from the top feud with guys that we love having telling interesting and engaging stories. So I think that that happened. I think that people got worn down. But once they had a taste of it, they were like, oh, they're never really going to fully commit to this. As long as Vince McMahon is alive, like the main roster is going to be a bunch of dumb love triangles. Every episode of Raw is going to start with a 15 minute promo. Uh, it's all this horrendous brand verbiage. It's an unwatchable product. And I think people have, have, have like sort of just given up. And I see that more and more. And then finally, the rise of New Japan has like given, especially now that they have English commentary on so many of their shows and they have the English subtitles. It's a ton of content. Everything is good. You never feel like they're like spitting in your face or insulting your intelligence. Um, if you're like, you can be a casual fan and follow New Japan, more or less, right? You can be like a hot topic Bullet Club fan. You can pay your however many yen a month, and you can just kind of follow that. And a lot of it's in English. It has stars who are stars in the United States, and there's just like no reason to continue putting up with it. Is that fair? For sure, absolutely. But it's like, okay, in that world where New Japan exists in America, you know, for American fans, Mm -hmm. now how do you, if you're Evolve or any other independent promotion, how do you distinguish yourself from those so that, I mean, you still need to be somewhat of an alternative, right? Otherwise, I'll just watch the other companies, especially, we've talked about this a ton on this show, with how much wrestling is out there to be consumed, how does Evolve distinguish itself? Yeah, I, th- I think you made a good point. Is that really the only kind of brand cachet they have left uh, that kind of resonates with people? Because obviously we're all shitting over the WWE, and I don't think we're outsiders here. Is they have Gabe Sapolsky, and that really does mean something for a, a, a large generation of people. And even even someone like me can like occasionally see that like, oh, this promotion is doing things differently um, for better or worse, and oftentimes for better. I, I feel like than other promotions, and you can you can kind of. I can't really define how, but you can kind of feel that like this is 
different than another indie and like th- there is something intangible to evolve that i do that i do like about it but i don't know whether that's going to be enough for it going forward i think that's interesting this an intangible idea of a, a difference and i i agree with that i think that exists i hear gabe trying to brand the promotion around the style of wrestling that it presents uh there for a long time it was grappling now he seems to be uh, proposing that the that the style of Evolve is more athletic now that he's bringing in guys like uh, Zachary Wentz and Trey Miguel and uh, Myron Reed. Uh, I guess my thought about that, though, is somebody's going to hate me for this, I'm sure, but all American indie wrestling is basically the same. Like, there is a style that is American indie wrestling. Thank you, Cara. And you can't distinguish yourself based on that style unless you're a deathmatch promotion or something like that. You can't distinguish yourself based on that. So I'd like to see him come up with something else, I guess. And I think we saw something on the show, as we'll talk about later, that could be a way to go. But I, I don't think saying, oh, we do athletic-style uh, wrestling, I don't think that's exciting to anyone. That's not going to make me watch Evolve over PWG or AAW. Right. And I feel like the brand is also just like, yeah, this is like the gateway to the WWE, but... I don't know. These yeah, guys but, work other places. Right. And isn't yeah. that yeah. losing We've its talked luster? about it a million times. Yeah. Yeah. And it is losing its luster as people are like, A, sick of the WWE and B, I don't know. It felt so fresh and new to see progress and w- WWE working together or Evolve and WWE working together like two or three years ago. And now it's just like, okay, this this thing is happening. Right. And these companies are like, not subsidiaries of WWE, but they're like, Full. they're definitely subordinate right they're in a partnership with wwe where they're subordinate absolutely and i don't i don't even honestly know if it's a if it's a fact that evolve you know sends a higher proportion of guys to the wwe at this point like it doesn't like after like the the kind of big influx was like when the wwe out of the cruiserweight division and they took a lot of guys from evolve then but um after that like i'm not sure like what like because I'm not sure it's like fair to classify someone like Keith Lee as a as an evolved guy. He worked pretty much all around, you know, what you would call the indies for a while. Uh, a while, uh, you know, him coming in and you know they've taken a lot of guys, you know, from Ring of Honor, those sort of, and they've taken guys from TNA, and they've taken a few from Evolve. But like, I don't, I don't even know if like watching Evolve guarantees you a higher portion of future WWE guys compared to watching it PWG, even with that pipeline in place. It's a fair point that I really hadn't thought about that much, but as you're saying it, that does make sense. Um, yeah, so maybe they're not even delivering on what they're uh, what they're telling us they are, but it's gotten to a point for me where it's like, yes, I want these guys, like from a personal perspective, I want them to go make a bunch of money and reach their professional dreams. But it has definitely gotten to a point that I don't want to, I don't want WWE to sign mm-hmm. the wrestlers that I like. I'm not going to be able to watch them do anything creatively fulfilling. Yeah, and I think that's another that's another thing to kind of go back to the all-in discussion or talking about New Japan is that we've given wrestlers like another basically career endpoint where you can not just you can not just make a living but like get rich, you know, doing something that's more creatively fulfilling and that's what's important about something like the all-in. It's like it kind of gives a gives people something to aspire to that's not just, you know, doing whatever Vince McMahon butt joke of the week, you know. Right, like do you think uh, the Young Bucks or, I don't know, the Usos are making more money. 
I don't know, but like I'd have to think about it, right? Right. And if I told you like Bo Dallas, you wouldn't have to think about that for a second. Obviously, the young bucks are making more money. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, let's let's take that into into these shows. Uh, At I want to start with you. Let's do like kind of big picture thoughts from Evolve One Hundred and Four. Yeah, I thought that this was a good show. It was a long boy though. They went back to the long show format and. Um, there was some stuff on this show. This show like definitely dragged in the middle for me at times. Um, but I thought that the last two matches were both really, really good. Um, and there was some solid stuff throughout, but definitely could have skipped certain parts of the undercard for sure. <laughs> and, and I guess, sorry, one last thing, which is that, um, yeah, the, the two-show storyline of them establishing Shane Strickland as a star and a threat was really, really well done. They did a great job here uh, in the main event with, with uh, Matt Riddle. They did a great job the next night. We'll talk about it a lot, but we need to see you know more of this kind of thing in Evolve. Um, so that that does stand out, right, as a star, one of two sort of star-making performances for Shane Strickland. Cara, big picture of Evolve 104? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Evolve 104 just kind of, yeah, I, I, I sort of felt the same thing where really the first half of the show was starting to, you know, feel lackluster and drag. But after intermission, I think they really they really picked it up and delivered a, a great show. Like I said, I have nothing but praise from that main event and some of the and some of the matches leading up to it as well. So um, overall, yeah, I, I'd, I'd say I'd call it an above average show overall. But yeah, that the first half of that show was really dragging. All right. You might be a little higher on it than uh, than I was. Uh, but let's get into it. The the start of the show, I guess the first thing that jumped out to me was the continued really poor mic quality, uh, the audio quality of the mics. Lenny Leonard, I learned later, I guess, told us that there will be uh, no more 20 counts and involve. Instead, refs will have the discretion to stop matches if wrestlers stay outside the ring for too long. But I had to learn that on commentary later in the show because I had no clue really what, what Lenny said. Yeah, these Chicago shows... They always look like shit. This one also sounded like shit. Fuck to the Chicago uh, Evolve shows. There's always so, I don't know, man. It's like, it has a like gross brown background. And you just feel like the whole feel of like watching it on TV is like when you're like visiting your friend's house during the daytime and there's one, they're one of those people who don't turn the lights on for environmental reasons. And it's like, fine, you can kind of see, but it's like, it would be better if you just turn the lights on, you know? And that's how I feel about watching this show. <laughs> yeah. Um, as, so, as someone who's a very occasional Evolve watcher, it's like, um, I, you know, I turned on this show and my first impression was like, oh, this is an indie. You know, like, this right. is this is really indie. So... See, that's yeah. bad. Yeah, no, it's very bad. No, it's it's not what you want. And I, and I, and I think the Detroit better show had a much better aesthetic um, overall and presentation overall. And it's like, is what I think Evolve is is kind of able to do. Where, where you know, I, I think that's where it actually lands is in this sort of like elevated indie space where you know it's it's above you know seeing a couple hundred people at the you know Indiana American Legion Hall or whatever. You know, it's 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 a tier above that, but the Chicago show made it look like it was not right. And it's not like a gritty indie. It's it's not like no, it's just it's no, not, it's not like a Bushwick Industrial. No, it's, uh, not, it's not uh, cool. It's just like. Um, gross gym yeah 
It's like going to see IWA Mid-South as someone who lives <laughs> right next to them. <laughs> right. But except that this is like a bigger company than it's... IWA Mid-South has ever been. And it should be. It should be better. They literally have WWE money. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. Give me a break. Might swap some of the flow some money lying around. Exactly. <laughs> All right. First match, AR Fox defeated Zachary Wentz by pinfall with the Fox catcher. Uh, Cara, how familiar were you with Zachary Wentz before this match? Uh, it, it is a name that I've heard before, certainly. Uh, I may have seen him like one other time in a card, but definitely someone that I'm not familiar with overall. And I also have to admit, um, I did not get a chance to catch this match. My feed was going badly um, when I was watching the show live, so I was very broken up for this match, did not see a lot, so I'm going to defer to to the two of you on it, mostly. Classic Evolve feed issues. Uh, AT, what was this the first time you really saw Zachary Wentz? Yeah, he was in like the six-man that they had over Mania right. Weekend, but this is sort of my first time to get a really good look at him, and uh, I wasn't that impressed. I think he has like a very... He definitely has like a defined mall rat aesthetic, you know, like, like you could just use mm-hmm. like, you could see him hanging out in a Spencer's. He's too <laughs> sick for this world. <laughs> Since he's, he started to be a pro wrestler, he's like cut down in the Cinnabon, but like, I don't know. It's just like not appealing to me. And, um, that's just like the look is like I'm just like what what's your deal? I guess is kind of my my first impression looking at him, um, and he is actually I'm like ninety percent sure he's named like the Wentz is for Pete Wentz from Fallout Boy, <laughs> I think like I'm fairly confident. Sorry, right? Yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I that, that certainly, uh, the Fallout Boy aesthetic certainly is, is, um, it, it would track for me. What do you think the legacy lives on means that he has tattooed on his chest? It's just, I'm going to Google it. I mean, is he like a trust fund boy? No, 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 not with that aesthetic. <laughs> no. Oh, come on. There's tons of trust fund babies with that aesthetic. Yeah. I, no, no, I, I, no, I no. You have to rebel what do you think, against Cara? your parents. I, I, I agree with Bentley. It's certainly possible that he's a trust fund boy. I'm not, I'm not saying it for sure, but I'm not absolutely not going to rule it out. Not based on the look. I mean. No. I don't know. I feel like it's. Rebellion and so on. It's, yeah. It's just probably just a tattoo that that like, weird guy got as a teenager. Like whatever his shoot name is, like got as a teenager. <laughs> like it probably, yeah. it probably just doesn't really track to the gimmick, unfortunately. It's probably in like a, um, like a thrice song. He's, he's too young for Thrice, right? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I was trying to come up with a band. Yeah. Okay. While, I, while AC is looking for this, I will talk about this match a little. I felt like the offense, well, between both of them, it felt like they were going at about three-quarters speed and uh, kind of felt like an exhibition at times instead of a fight. And so that really brought it down for me. I uh, couldn't really get into uh, the offense of the match. What I – the interesting thing that I took from it was that Lenny Leonard was really putting over the Fox catcher on commentary. He noted that uh, AR Fox was two and O since he started using that move in new Orleans. Uh, so I feel like that's going to play a big role at some point. Yes. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. It was a weird match. Cause it, like I thought the start, it was just so indie at the beginning, right? Like when they did that thing 
that they do where it's like, I sweep your legs out and go for a cover and then you pop me off and then you sweep my legs off and go for a cover. It just felt like very like 2003, the beginning of the match. And it just not like, if you're going to do that kind of like bing, bang, boom, fast paced counter stuff constantly, you have to be running at full speed. And you yes. have to be like at the level of a Will Ospreay and Kushida say, doing that kind of thing. I was going to say, now that we've all seen Will Ospreay do this stuff, right. you got to right. get your game up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. After the match, my man, Tommy Maserati, gets on the mic, uh, makes an open challenge. And uh, he says that tonight's about the future of Evolve. He wants AR Fox to sit on the bench so he can have a match. And the, uh, the person who answers the open challenge is a guy named Josh Briggs, who I'm familiar with only because I've seen him on Twitter. So uh, I don't know. Did anybody else on the show know anything about Josh Briggs before this? No. I knew he was like a wrestler in the Northeast Indies. I yeah. hadn't seen him wrestle. I was like, oh, the guy when, when Lenny Leonard was like, that's Josh Briggs. I was like, oh, the guy from Beyond and the Limitless tweets. That is uh, that's more than me. I I got to I've heard that name before, and that's about it. Yeah, I was like, oh, I saw him do a tweet where he was like, "Hey, I got these t-shirts, or nobody's gonna buy, be able to buy these t-shirts this weekend." So here's my link. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, all right. Josh Briggs comes out, squashes Tommy Maserati, R.I.P. Uh, with a choke slam into like a code breaker. I mm-hmm. they said what it was called later, but I forgot. No, I saw on. Twitter, he calls it the M5, I think. Mm. Mm. Is that like a is that a type of Maserati, you think? No. No, it would be uh move. Get, get your head in the game, Bentley. Sorry. Although it is a, no, ki- I know it's a it's kind of move, BMW. Like, um hold on. I knew it was Briggs's move. I was making a, a bad joke. Okay. <laughs> I like the move. It's, it, I think yeah. it's a cool move. I think it's a cool move for the guy that big. That's that was that was pretty much my one takeaway is that he's large and he has a cool move. Yeah, yeah. they uh, they di- they did a tweet though that made it seem like Evolve feels like this is a big signing, and I just wasn't that familiar with him. So I thought he looked good. Yeah, yeah, he, for sure. he came off Absolutely. good. Like he definitely looked scary and dangerous. So I was just thinking, like, can you really build guys? with these squash matches against jobbers anymore? Like, th- does that make them look impressive to anyone in 2018? Yeah. I, he looks impressive yes, to absolutely. me. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I, I, um, especially on one Oh five, I think, um, he had a, he had a really better performance that I kind of got over when, when, when you're squashing someone like as like jobbery jobbery as like Tommy Maserati is and kind of just small and like his bit is just getting beat up. Then it, then it's really not much of anything, but, um, having him doing that to actual wrestlers and just like having i sorry to impugn tommy maserati he's a completely cromulent wrestler <laughs> but um i you know having having him do that to more established names and guys who you know are kind of bigger so you can see like how much bigger briggs really is than you know just your you know six you know five foot eleven six foot tall wrestler is uh is really something that makes him stand out speaking of guys that josh briggs would later destroy Tracy Williams defeats Dominic Garini by submission with uh, the crossface. I guess we should tell you about this match before the match. Stokely got on the mic uh, talking about how Catchpoint uh, talks about the origins of Catchpoint and what it stood for. But now it stands for whatever the hell he wants it to, and he can sell it to the highest bidder, even WWE. But bizarrely, he announces that the match is going to be wrestled under Catchpoint rules, which is a 20 count on the floor, three rope breaks, and no closed fists 
to the face. Um, what did you think about these rules, AT? It was, um, it's the old ROH Pure Wrestling Championship rules, which Lenny Leonard alluded to on commentary by saying, you know, I, I feel like I've heard those before somewhere, but I can't right. put my finger on it. I don't know. I thought it was like such a funny, like sort of a quintessentially evolved thing to have the show start by being like, like for the first time, like now the new rules are that like, we're not going to have 20 counts on the floor, right? We did have the 20 counts. Now we're not having them anymore. It's referee's discretion. And then just to like immediately turn around and be like, special match. <laughs> the special rules of this match is that there's a 20 count on the floor. That and uh, with the mic quality, having having you announce like a long involved set of rules, which I honestly heard about half of it and then try, had to try and like divine it over the course of the match, what, what the rules actually were. And it's an awkward situation. It was extremely evolved core. Absolutely. The The biggest takeaway for me from this match was that I was like, oh, they are finally going uh, full bore on Tracy being a babyface, or at least being one way or the other. And he was actually getting some sympathy in this match. So I was uh, excited for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They pulled. I mean, I think that if you watch the last couple shows without the context of Tracy Williams's behavior for the, like, year that preceded it you would see him as a baby face i think that like you would still sort of like to hear more from him and yeah. still like to hear an apology for his behavior or at least some kind of explanation for it um but i don't know it's well did like, you see the interview he did with stokely hathaway <laughs> aaron's <laughs> referring to something that uh, stokely hathaway put on twitter of him interviewing like a paper cut out of Tracy Williams and it was pretty savage I thought like I think it spoke to a lot of Tracy Williams's actual deficiencies as a performer that I was like this is this is spicy he should he should it also looked like uh Stokely recorded that like in his apartment building and it was like at any moment I was gonna see like some badass kid just like run up the steps and (laughs) run through Stokely's set would have been for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So as as kind of the theoretical person here who really hadn't seen a lot of Tracy Williams before and like doesn't have the context of, of what it was like mm. before. Um, I thought the I thought the commentary did a good job of like putting over, you know, kind of I you know, I I know from reputation that the catch point stories are, you know, long running and strange and kind of involved but um i i I think the commentary did as good of a job as possible at least getting getting over the ideas like yeah this this guy used to be a heel but like here is his his kind of like slow turn moment and yeah and 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 on both nights he was certainly as especially in the second night wrestling like a baby face you know full full on in that baby face mode so yeah that, that that's how i perceive it it's like oh yeah that's that's one of the big thrusts that we're taking away is that this is one of the this is one of their bigger baby faces now for sure uh, Jaka and Dickinson came out and pulled Stokely out of the ring before Tracy Williams could uh, get at him after the match. Uh, but Tracy dove on all of them. So we're going to continue seeing this Tracy versus catch point story. The next match was the freelance versus wildcat match. Chris Castro, Isaiah Velasquez, and Matt Nix defeated Budu Cow, Buku Dow. Is it Buku Dow? Man, I botched that bad. I'm sorry. Johnny Flex. And Jay Spade by pinfall when Chris Castro pinned Voodoo Cow. Damn, I did it again. Buku Dow 
after a powerbomb lung blower combination. I apologize to everyone. What did anybody think of this match? Apology accepted. Um, <laughs> this was like long. This just went on. I mean, the the Wildcat guys like did not really belong on this caliber of a show. Um, okay, who, first who, of all, yeah. Johnny Flex uh, is uh, my dad. And I really am offended by this. Johnny Flex rules, guys. Um, um, <laughs> okay, well, I'm, I'm just going to throw one of those people on Twitter. Is like, I feel like this is like the guy that's like WWE fans like hate Roman Reigns because he could fuck their girlfriends or whatever. And you're like, are you, are you seriously brain damaged or like, or are you like doing a bit to troll me? And that's how I feel about your surprise Johnny Flex fandom. Here's um, my thing about Johnny Flex. Please, like, please. He does this whole, like, workout warrior gimmick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was supposed to be a joke, right? Like, I thought he was a comedy character. Mm-hmm. But then on 105, Ron Neely is, like, putting him over as, like, a powerhouse. I and so I wasn't sure. I thought he was just continuing. The, I'm pretty sure it's a comedy character. I'm, it's I'm, a bit. But it's, Ron Neely's not funny. Mm. Yeah, neither is Johnny Flex. Like, the, the whole, the whole, <laughs> no. I mean that that was that was like half of my notes for this match. Is like I have I have no time for Johnny Flex. I have <laughs> I just bad comedy wrestling is so much worse than bad actual wrestling, and I I just. At, at, at this point, kind of halfway through the show, you know, we're already kind of into the swing of things. We had fairly hot angles, you know, before this with Catchpoint, and this really just kind of ground the show to a halt. I also love that, like, Buku Dao's whole gimmick was just that he was Asian, which is, like, a thing that kind of, like, works if your whole promotion <laughs> is New Orleans, maybe, where I, I imagine there's just not that much of an Asian population, maybe? Because, like, all of, like, I remember, like, Lenny Leonard repeatedly saying that he was the best thing since fried rice. I know he had the Pokemon uh, the pants Pokemon. the next night. And then, like, also I feel like... on his pants the first night. Really like, what, on his pants the first time? He just had, like, a, a weird, like, kind of Asian racial caricature on his pants. Like, I, I guess, like, that's... It. Like, yeah, you, you kind of have that thing where it's like... I mean, I guess, like, this guy, if he decides that he can do... That that's what he wants to do with himself, then I mean, what can I really say about it? But it's it's weird. It's, but it's like very funny that like one of his what was like he had other moves that were like Asian related, right? I could like, not I feel like there was a move called like I don't know. I'm trying to remember what it was, but there was definitely like something called like the sushi or something to that effect. Gotta I say, know. I wiped everything about Buku Dao from my mind as soon as this was over. Uh, at least it with more things about Johnny Flex. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, But this was like, yes, the comedy was very bad, but it was, I thought the Wildcat guys would be worse in the ring. I I thought it was mostly well worked. I just felt like it kept going and I was like, wow, this is a long show and this match just keeps going. True. Yeah, I I, I think the third Wildcat guy was fine. You know, Jay Spade apparently. Could not the best one. Could not have remembered that name, and because like he was the one who probably left the least impression on me, just by the fact of not yeah. being Bukuda or Tony Flex, who are very memorable. Um, I did want to call out a Chris Castro's performance on the uh, freelance team as being something notably good in this match. I feel like he, he has a look. He had some cool moves going on. 
he's if I had to say one thing positive about this match, he kind of stood out to me and he got the pin. So did Chris Castro strike you as like if things had gone really bad for Samoa Joe, this is kind of yeah, what it- yeah, I did get the Samoa Joe vibe from him. He really needs to do something about that hair. That hair is not going to work. That hair needs to go away. But yeah, he he has a Samoa Joe look with you know kind of his build and then the shorts that he's wearing. Right, has a little bit of like that you know he's large and fast kind of vibe of Samoa Joe as well. So yeah, but one thing that was good about this match um, and bleeding into the next match was there was a large freelance contingent in the crowd who were very excited about the guys from freelance. So that did make this match more palatable, but especially the next match, Anthony Henry defeated Stevie fierce uh, by pinfall with a neck breaker. Uh, The, the crowd was nuts for this match. I mean, they hated Anthony Henry. I thought this was a pretty good match, but what I really liked about it was uh, the great environment. Yeah. And I thought that Lenny Leonard did a great job on commentary, sort of catching us all up on what had happened between Anthony Henry and Stevie Fierce and freelance to sort of he was explaining what was happening to you if you were in Evolve or in it you had no idea why Anthony Henry was getting booed so hard um so good job by Lenny he always does his homework and uh yeah best. this was this is this is a strong match and the crowd was heated for it and they worked it like they really didn't like each other I thought that there was like one moment where Anthony Henry had a spin kick on Stevie Fierce and like Stevie sell of it it just looked vicious it looked between the way that Anthony Henry threw the kick and the way that Stevie sold it, it just looked, that was like one of the best kicks I've ever seen in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Felt very distinctive. Um, yeah, this was really good. And um, yeah, good for the, good for the freelance fans showing up and, and rooting on their guys. For sure. I really, I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. Cara. Yeah, no, I, I think I have the same takes as both of you is that, um, you know, the work was, you know, good. It was, you know, I'm not going to say it's kind of a match of the year sort of thing, but it was, it was the environment that really made this what it is. And yeah. And, you know, I, as someone coming from, come from the outside perspective, like you said, Lenny Leonard did a great job of putting it over and yeah, no, I, I, you said everything that I wanted to say. Makes me really want to watch their other singles matches and freelance. I feel like I would have gotten more from this if I'd seen the whole series. Yeah. And it just makes me want to see more of these guys in general. I want to go out and seek out some Stevie Fierce now. Yeah, that's my dude, Stevie Fierce. Okay, so after this, it looked like we were going to get another kind of impromptu Skulk match as Liam Gray and Leon Ruff from the Skulk came out. Also, I want to give a big shout to the Skulk for finally wearing their gimmicks on the Evolve show. And like, it's like, oh, now I can learn all their names and uh, figure out who they are. So I thought that was good. So they come out, but before they can do anything, Austin Theory and Priscilla Kelly attack them. AT, do you have something to add to that? Oh, I was just going to say, they've worn shirts before. The I don't skull. think... I think, like, Leon Ruff has, but I don't think everybody's had, like, their name, like, their gimmick shirts. I feel like several several of them have. Alright, well, I guess I'll just fuck off then, okay? Yeah, AT, no, because I knew that it was, like, Leon Ruff, Liam Gray, um, the other guy who both his names are A's. Yeah, I kept trying to figure that out from his t-shirt, but I don't know what it was. It's, like, Adrian... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it was like Alanis. <laughs> Alanis, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that is like name? Adrian Alanis or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Also, no, they botched the uh they botched the intro graphics for um oh, this yeah. uh for the skull entrances as well. So it was very nice for them to have their names in their shirts for that purpose as well. Dude, what was up with these, as someone said on Twitter, doggy style uh type graphics for the for the wrestlers? I mean they were they were lame. 
Evolve's aesthetic is always like inscrutably bad. Like for <laughs> the chronicle aesthetic, like it's it's yeah. it's just bad. What is this like graffiti thing that they're doing? I, I mean, number one, it's bad, and number two, like I don't understand how it fits Evolve at all. Like, what, no. what, it's incomprehensible. So bizarre. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> uh, Ar Fox and Ayla Fox come out to uh, defend the Skulk. Theory gets on the microphone and says he defended the title uh, and access is kind of flowing into the next match. DJ Z doesn't have a chance. So they call out DJ Z, but we're getting a little uh, taste of AR Fox and Austin Theory. Uh, as you probably know, AR Fox trained Austin Theory. So that's a little undercurrent going for us. But that runs right into the Austin Theory DJ Z match, which Austin Theory ultimately retained the WWN title by defeating DJ Z. Uh, Priscilla Kelly hit a low blow, and then Austin Theory hit the Ataxia. So I guess the big story of this match is that it was billed as the main event of the show. But they pulled it out, what, as the fourth or fifth match here? So, AT, how did it strike you when you realized that Theory was not going to be in the main event? It seemed like a pretty clear vote of no confidence. And I don't know. Hmm. It's hard to say, right? Like, I don't know if why they did it or what the thinking was or whether... I don't know whether there was ever a plan for them to be the main event or whether the plan was always to have Matt Riddle and Shane Strickland be the main event to make Shane Strickland a big star. Um, but it's, I have no idea. It's possible that they saw the ticket sales for the show and was like, oh, I guess like Awesome Theory DJZ is not really selling the tickets. Although it's tough because like Chicago had a big wrestling the weekend, the weekend before. So it was like hard. I can imagine it was hard. It, who knows what would have gotten people out a second weekend in a row. But yeah, it did feel like they were like pumping the brakes on Austin Theory by pulling him out of the main event like that. Well, it turned out to be a decent idea because this match was not very good. It was fine. Yeah, that's about the best way to put mm, it. Fine, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, 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 I'm. I'm on fine, but probably like the lower end of fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, I look back at my, you guys can drag me for this, but I look back at my ratings and I did have it at uh, two and three quarters. So that's not that bad. Oh yeah. But I don't know. It's like they were starting to do a really good job of tying in Priscilla Kelly's interference in these matches. But I thought this, it like really bored me. It was just like, oh, are we doing this again? Okay. Thanks uh, for backing me up. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I just don't have like strong feelings about it. Like, I think okay, some of it, like, I was watching these shows. It had been a long weekend. I'm still very tired. So, like, some of the matches that were not super compelling, I don't have a ton of take. I don't know. One thing I was thinking about with Austin Theory watching this match is that he's playing such an arc, you know, archetype in pro wrestling, like, such a well worn role of the young, brash, handsome prodigy, right? And it's like, what can he do to make this role his own? And I think that, like, we saw over the past, like, six months to a year, he's gotten good at playing this role. And the Priscilla Kelly character adds to it. But I'm waiting for him to do something. Like, right now, you're like, oh, he's a pretty good Randy Orton right now, the the character that he's playing, right? But I want to see him find something that, like, where he makes this role his own and, and distinctive. 
Yeah, I think Randy Orton is probably one of the better um, better comparisons you can make because he, this really just feels like a WWE character at this point. Like this absolutely felt like a one of the worst versions of like a Miz Intercontinental title match or something. You know, it's there really doesn't have any sort of like indie wrestling energy. It really doesn't even have like the uh, the high points that you could hit with this gimmick because yeah, like like you said, I, I don't think Theory is bringing anything particularly interesting to the gimmick other than he does it fine. So yeah, I agree. Yeah, I wonder if Theory's hurt a little bit by the closeness between Evolve and WWE that he kind of sees it. Maybe he's in danger of seeing himself as a finished product because it does feel like he's close to getting signed. Yeah, or at least it's like his he's close enough to being in the WWE that he doesn't really... He's like already trying to be a WWE wrestler instead of like going and trying to be an indie star and then backtracking to learn how to work the WWE style. But I don't know. That's That's a better take than mine. That's good. Mm -hmm. good. All right. Uh, Doom Patrol is out next. They retained the Evolve Tag Team Championships when Jaka pinned Perot. Uh, They were facing the end. I left that part out. After dual top rope splashes. So uh, the final battle between Doom Patrol and the end uh, ends with, with the end failing. So uh, this was kind of a big story coming out of the post-Flow Slam era, but it appears to be over. I thought this was uh, a fine match. Um, I don't know. I don't have anything else to say about it. I think that we were right after the first the debut weekend oh, of the God. end, which is that this was a bait. The end as an act, I think we can sort of definitively say now, was a bait and switch. Right. The flow slam stuff was happening. There were rumors that Evolve was in trouble, that Gabe was, you know, getting ready to take this WWE deal. People didn't know what was going to happen. And so I think that and they did this storyline. They had all these videos of them, you know, the destruction of Evolve and things blowing up and, you know, photos of Gabe and Sal with Gabe's face crossed out and they were like coming to take down the company. And after the first weekend, we were like, why are these guys who are supposed to be big threats already in retreat? And now we've seen it. They lost this feud. They've lost all their big matches. The next night they won by, they lost by like disqualification. They couldn't even, you know, handedly put away two guys we'd never seen before. Like this was, uh, you know, this was a bait and switch. They promised that they built them up in the in the introductory video packages as this big force that was going to come in and reshape, evolve, and really change things. And they are a mid card act that has so far failed to make a real dent. Um, so I don't know, but I guess it kept people talking about evolve. You know, during the flow slam, uh, you know, the the weeks after the flow slam deal ended, so. Maybe um, you know, got people excited, kept people kept kept their names in people's mouths. So I guess it served its purpose. But I don't know. I think that if you if if you gave a shit about it when it happened, um, you were burned. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, you all remember the Leaky Gabe Twitter account? I do. At <laughs> refuses to acknowledge Leaky Gabe. <laughs> Oh, my. He's rolling his eyes. Yes. Um, so I agree with everything Aaron said. Of Aaron Taub, goddammit. Um, <laughs> about the kind of overall arc of the end being a, being kind of a wash and kind of just nothing. Um, I do want to say 
I do want to like say nice things about the match itself, which again, I, I in, in a vacuum probably wasn't any better than fine, but like having, but it really, it, it, it did do a good job of like at least bringing me and some of the crowd up after that kind of theory and DJZ match, honestly, kind of put everyone to sleep. Um, you know, Wild Brawl is, you know, a good way to get, get some cheap pops. It was well-placed on the card. Um, and I think this is kind of, I feel like this is kind of the turning point when from when the show went from, you know, the kind of just really weak first half, maybe aside aside from that Henry and Fierce match to to some good stuff at the end. This was kind of this was kind of the uh, the border between those two. All right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm uh, just saying I agree. That's all. Continue. Carry sure. on. Yeah, yeah. So the the next match was uh, the four way: Darby Allen, Myron Reed, Snoop Strikes, and Trey Miguel. Darby Allen ultimately pinned Myron Reed with the Last Supper. This was this was the first time I felt like we saw like an actual evolve match on this card. Like there was some excitement, there was some athleticism, uh, and the crowd was really into Darby when he came out, which I thought was cool. Um, I thought this was. Overall, pretty good. It took a little while to get going, but it ended up being fun. Yeah, I think it had some of the silliness you see in all kinds of multi-man matches. But yeah, it was nicely done. We saw Myron Reed do what we would come, what we've come to know, I guess, what we've learned over this weekend is his signature sort of over the turnbuckle dive. Um, I thought Trey Miguel had some nice presence in this match. Um, Snoop Strikes looked okay. I think with Snoop Strikes, it's like I feel like he's a solid wrestler so far, but I would like him to work on his aesthetic. Like, I feel like it's like, um, like for instance, like the Snoop, like the the intro music is just like I'm Snoop Strikes, you know, like Snoop Dogg, and then like and then like he has a shirt that's like Welcome to the Era of No Bitch Assness. And I feel like the era of no bitch assness was 10 years ago. And so I just feel like he could make the aesthetic a little more current, a little bit cooler, a little more cutting edge. That's just my critique of the packaging. But I feel like he's he's been good in the ring. I like watching him. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I had no big thoughts in this match. I'd love to see Darby Allen as, as someone who does not get into a lot of evolve. I think like Darby is maybe one of the, one of the biggest things that kind of draws me into the promotion because like he doesn't, uh, he doesn't really work as much as, as some of the other top guys, you know, outside of evolve. And he, and in evolve, he has this kind of like through line and this energy that like, I find really interesting and good. So I'm always glad to see Darby. I'm always glad to see, you know, it makes sense that uh, he gets the win when he has a big featured match tomorrow and, um, on th- you know, the day after. And he, yeah, and, and everyone pulled their weight in the ring. And like you said, like you said, yeah, I, I don't, the kind of aesthetics of really all three of the other guys, like, I, I don't think that anything really stood out to me as like a kind of unified aesthetic wrestler, but they're, they're the kind of guys that, yeah, you plug it into this four way, you build, you build the crowd back up after intermission and you have a, you have a fun time and, you get the one guy who kind of has an established arc to get the win. This, this is fine. Yeah. I agree with all that about the aesthetics. I think one thing that might've hurt the Chicago crowd is if I was bringing in all these new guys. Yeah. But they all have worked AAW. So it's like not that exciting to this Chicago uh, market to come out to see these guys. But now we've seen 
on this show. We've seen Myron Reed. We've seen Trey Miguel. We've seen Zachary Wentz. So of those three guys, uh, Aaron, which which one were you most looking forward to seeing more of the next night? Trey Miguel. I just mm-hmm. I don't know something about him the way he like let certain things sit. I don't know something about him just like drew me to him, and I just felt like he had kind of an aura or a presence that I didn't see as much as like the other guys who seemed more indie, I guess. But, but yeah, I think both he and Myron Reed had, had good weekends. I I'm buying, you know, we'll talk more about Myron Reed's match the next night, but I would say I'm buying Trey Miguel and Myron Reed. I'm selling Zachary Wentz right now. Oh, Cara, uh, you know, big financial take here. Who are you buying? Who are you selling (laughs) of those three? Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm, I think I'm with AT on this one that, uh, Myron Reed, especially the next, uh, especially at 105 really, um, showed a lot to me. Um, from 104, I think I would probably still just say Myron Reed, but my take would be that I like his hair. Um, and yeah, (laughs) and yeah, I, I, I think Wentz, um, from these performances really didn't, really didn't show anything all that great to me. Like I said, I only watched the, that first match in bits and pieces, but and and I've heard the probably the best things about him kind of outside this promotion. You know, he's had these runs in Dragon Gate, has been in PWG, and is really making a name. But just ba- based on what I've seen this weekend, this of all weekend, certainly so far, Myron Reed is is the guy to watch. Yeah, I'm a Myron Reed guy. Uh, Trey Miguel seems to have a lot of ricochet to him, which can be off putting at times. Uh, but he was pretty good. I just like Myron Reed better. After this match, Candy Cartwright came out, uh, yelled at Darby, and told him that Jarek is coming. Jarek did not show up on the show, uh, but Candy Cartwright gets a payday. So good for her. Good for Candy. Yeah. We have to be nice to Candy now because we know she's from Long Island. Yeah. We know um, sort of friends of friends, some of the same people. So this is a pro, uh, pro Candy Cartwright podcast from be, now on. Be nice to Candy. Be nice to candy. Nice Hashtag candy. be nice to candy. So then we get into the, the business end of this card. Keith Lee taking on James Drake. And surprisingly, Keith Lee defeats James Drake uh, with the ground zero. Cara, did you have any expectation about the finish of this match? Uh, I mean, I think, I mean, obvi- obviously, I think everyone kind of with their booking hats on, uh, booking your hats around is like, oh, Keith Lee's leaving. We got to put, we got to put a guy over in the match um, by having James Drake win. But I think um, I don't know. I don't really have that sort of hangup, especially like how that how this match went. I think was really structured in a way to put James Drake over so much that the that the kind of pinfall itself really doesn't uh, didn't matter quite as much. It really kind of um, really kind of reinforced that like oh, Keith Lee probably is at a higher place right now, which is kind of just like giving you the kind of like giving you kind of like a truthful outcome saying like, I, I think it would feel false if like Drake were to win because like, he's not, he doesn't really have that cash, that sort of cachet. And it would just kind of seem like, Oh, they put James Drake over because Lee is leaving that would, but I think in having this really competitive match in having both of them bring it, which I thought they really bring it. They thought they both really brought it this match. That's what's going to elevate James Drake is, is his performance. Had you seen Drake before? Uh, Again, like one or two evolve shows, uh, right. I've, seen, I've seen a workhorse match, but uh, really nothing that stood out to me on the level that he did uh, in one of four. But you like this match of his or his? Oh, oh I, I like this match a lot. Excellent. Et, where were you on this match? 
think it's time for Aaron Bentley to apologize <laughs> to James Drake. He's Look, good. This is this is a really good match. But yeah, was, you can eat crow if you want to. I'll get I'll do my review after you eat crow. Well, I think I I think I ate crow after he had that great match with Matt Riddle. Okay, uh, not that long ago, I talked about how how good he was. But yeah, he was great in this. I thought it was an interesting story because it, they kind of were showing us at the beginning that they were matched athletically, that that James Drake was on that level, uh, like as far as his agility at his size. And then they started trying to show us that James Drake was on the same physical level as Keith Lee, and he, that ultimately, you know, he wasn't there. He wasn't uh, quite on his level as Cara was telling us a second ago. So. I did think the meet, the match kind of peaked a little bit and then dropped a little toward the end. But overall, uh, I really liked it. I thought it was a strong performance. And it's like, if you're Gabe at this point, you got to be thinking more and more about the, the bigger spots that you can put James Drake in. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Cara. No, no, I, well, yeah, I, I agree as well. And I think they, they really did a, a good job here um, with elevating Drake. And uh, I, yeah, and I think that, especially like Matt uh, kind of putting him over in the, like you said, that he's able to match Lee athletically, like it is not out of the question that he can like sort of step up into, into that main event role that Lee was inhabiting before. Yeah, and I, I also thought, yeah, I loved the opening segment of this match with them just, running into each other, trying to shoulder tackle each other and nobody going anywhere. And then they try to fool each other by quickening the pace and doing drop downs and nothing sticks. And then finally, you know, Lee wins the exchange by hitting a flying head scissors. And then, you know, 30 seconds later, Drake hits one of his own. It was great. I thought that that was like a really cool storytelling of like the evolution of this little chess match that they were having. I thought that that was, that was like one of my, the most memorable things of the weekend for me. Um, yeah, this was a really strong match. All right, and then we got to the main event. Matt Riddle defeated Shane Strickland by disqualification after Strickland had Riddle in a key lock in the ropes and refused to break the hold. I'm going to hang out on this one because I have a lot to say about this match. So uh, go go ahead, AT. Let me. I just want to ask Cara something. Cara, I know you've seen Shane Strickland before in Defy. Um, is he always like? Does he do the key lock in this kind of? Does he wrestle the way he wrestled this match in other places? Uh, no, absolutely not. Um, okay, this, um, at, at least not in Defy. In, in Defy, um, the local uh, Seattle independent promotion. Um, I'm from Seattle. Um, yeah, so Strickland was the kind of long running babyface champion, and you could definitely see, especially um, kind of halfway through this match, where he was really, really getting those kale mannerisms in, really kind of putting in the submission holds in, in a working the submission holds in a way that he didn't do as a, as a baby face over, over in defy. So I, I was really impressed by kind of the, uh, the versatility of Strickland's performance. Cause I was, I was expecting something completely different uh, out of him coming into this match, but um, he, and it kind of even made his, his, uh, his kind of heel stuff and violence even more effective in the fact that I wasn't expecting it. Like the fact that I was expecting like, you know, the cool hero swerve, you know, and, and get this and get this, you know, total violent heel is really made it pop for me. Yeah. And I think that this is one of the things we want to see and evolve more of too often. We see guys in evolve and they're the same way that they are in other places. Right. And, and that's like, what we need more of an evolve is guys like, you know, what happened in freelance where hit 
Anthony Henry is one guy everywhere else where he's this fighting spirit, kicky baby face. But then in freelance, he's this huge prick. And, you know, everyone hates him because of his feud with Stevie Fierce. We need more examples of this that distinguish Evolve where these guys all work the same places. But now Shane Strickland in Evolve is his own unique character, this this killer who's who's trying to break everybody's arms. Um, so I thought that that was really good and then sort of distinguishing that, like, because we saw him at uh, WrestleMania weekend last year in the, um, you know, in the tag team match against South Pacific Power Trip. South Pacific Power Trip. And that was great. And then we also saw him in the six man at uh, Rev Pro this year. And that, that was not the guy oh, yeah. we saw um, on this mm-hmm. show. And that was great. I thought it was great that they bring in this new guy. They make him a star in one night by giving him, his own sort of aura and, and making him special and evolve. And um, yeah, this is, this is a great match and they really um, made Strickland look like a dangerous guy. Um, yeah. And I think that kind of um, now, now that I've had some time to think of it, it kind of goes back to the thing I was talking to earlier where it, the kind of intangible, undefinable quality of Evolve, I think a lot of it comes down to their willingness to go hard into kind of storyline-based wrestling um, as as an independent promotion of the size, whereas a lot of uh, a lot of other a lot of other things will just kind of rely, you know, much more strictly on work rate and have you know like one or two top storylines. But Evolve kind of has, you know, it, it kind of treats itself like it's on WWE's level, in which like there's really stuff going on all up and down the card and like a guy will come in and have like and be very like i, I don't want to say like gimmicky is like really not the right word for what Strickland is doing but is like infused with like this kind of this kind of pro wrestling character yeah it's just like way more character based than most of the other uh wrestlers but like around the indies like you're saying this is a pretty rare thing and it is i think at and i said this on the show before like that stories are what Evolve can use to distinguish itself. Like if everybody's talking about a match and it's like, okay, yeah, I've seen Keith Lee and Matt Riddle wrestle, you know, 10 times at this point in different places. But if everybody's talking about, man, you will not believe how heated this one thing is like, I've been interested even before seeing their match on this show to go check out Stevie Fierce and Anthony Henry's matches just because I've heard about how good this story is. So I think that's an opportunity for them. I mean, when Strickland walked out for this match, I was like, wow, this guy is a star. Like, he had uh, the presence from the second uh, he walked out from behind the curtain. And then put on one of the best debut performances I can remember, certainly in this promotion. I mean, I just love this match. If it had a clean finish and Strickland would have had to have won for the story to have made sense, this would have been a match of the year level match for me. I just, maybe it was Strickland playing against type. But it's like his work was amazing, like just how focused he was on that arm. Riddle was great. I know we have, uh, you know, downed Riddle a lot, just about him being kind of samey. No, not here. This was an excellent performance. His selling was great. You know, I was worried how he was going to sell the arm, but it was like perfect. He was doing one-armed moves, which, you know, is like extremely my shit. What's that, Cara? The one-armed German, I went insane, yeah. Yes, yes, that is exactly like – what I love, it's like in any sane world, and maybe this is one, like this match would turn Shane Strickland into an absolute made guy uh, in this promotion. So I just loved it. Uh, I loved hearing him after the match say, 
Uh, he's the most dangerous person that involved now. And also, I'm a huge Mark. And when they, however, they did like the sound when he uh, like supposedly broke Riddle's arm, it was like it shocked me at first. I was like, oh god. Yeah, I don't know how they made the noise, but it was gnarly. Yeah, props really. to them. And yeah, so I thought that that was like, yeah, that was this was really good. And I also I liked on commentary they were kind of giving us a little bit. I thought Riddle was pretty, you know, he was an ass kicker too. And I thought that on commentary, they did a good job of sort of talking about how positioning him more as disliked by the locker room and talking about how there weren't guys who came out to to greet him when he won the championship. So I thought that that was fascinating. I look forward to seeing where that's going because we've been kind of on the no one should like Matt Riddle train for a very long time on this podcast. And um, yeah, this was good. I, I, I got confused, though, because I forgot because of Matt Riddle's title reign, all the title matches, um, there's no rope breaks. So I forgot. I thought that Strickland won the match because I was like, wait, is it that there's no rope breaks in all Matt Riddle matches or just title matches? And so I was like, what? It took me a while to figure out what the, I was like, what was the finish? Um, and then I realized it was a disqualification. Yeah. The the only thing I didn't like about what you're talking about, AT, about I really enjoyed when they started peppering in this talk about, well, maybe there's guys in the back who don't like him. But this was a match designed to babyface him, right? Right. It was a little, Absolutely. yeah. Yeah, so it's like, okay, well, what am I supposed to take from this? Like, other than Shane Strickland is a badass who's going to kill people. But what am I supposed to take about Matt Riddle? Is he a guy that people don't like? Or should I really feel sympathy for him? Hard to say. <laughs> Excellent. So that's how Evolve 104 ended, and I, I was fired up. So I was really excited going into 105 to see uh, to see some more. So Evolve 105, Sunday night, 8 o'clock uh, in Livonia. Uh, overall thoughts on this one, Cara? Yeah, um, I think um, I would say overall um, probably a, a slightly better show. Um probably um it did have it did definitely have the same uh kind of deal as the last one where it felt very backloaded and kind of had some kind of had some weight in the in the middle but um yeah I, I i thought it was fine and the main the last two matches were really what i was looking for as well as one or two in the middle yeah yeah it was just so long like overall i think i, I liked this show pretty well Except like it got late here on the East Coast and uh, definitely dragged in the middle. But it's like there is no need for them to do three and a half hour shows like that's insane, especially we've given them props a lot in the past for being like, oh, yeah, this is a two hour in and out promotion. If I just sit here for three and a half hours, two nights in a row, it really, uh, really drags it down. I agree. There was definitely some stuff that on, on this card that didn't really need to be there. Right. Plenty of stuff they could have cut out. I agree. It, this I, it was tough for me watching these shows back to back when I was already just like extremely tired. I was worried about you, to be honest. I was like, AT is not going to finish these shows. <laughs> I was like, no, I to finish it. So like definitely during like the Frey match, for instance, that was like halfway oh, through the show. God. I was like, oh my God. Am I really watching Buku Dao right now? 
Yeah, that's how I felt about Nate Webb in New Orleans, but I was the only one. Whoa, wow. <laughs> I don't know. I yeah, you're outnumbered on the Nate Webb front now. You can't do yeah. that. Damn. Yeah. This is the new web army right now. Um, <laughs> well, anyway, this shows web hive, the spider web. <laughs> um, see, you you got there. I was worried about yeah. you, but you did yeah, get there. I made it. Uh, so, speaking of things that could have been cut from this show, uh, the first match: Nate Matson. That's N eight Matson and Orlando Christopher defeated Drennan and Perot in Drennan's in ring debut, I believe, and evolved by disqualification when Drennan attacked everyone with. A billy club. Um, this wasn't very good. I just, no? Yeah, I mean, Nate Matson with the eight is just an eat ass name. <laughs> yep. This, I don't know, man. But yeah, this was fine, but it's like, these guys, it didn't seem like these, I, it seemed like these guys were like, hey, the guys you know from Michigan are on the card. Um, I don't know that they had to be as competitive as they were with the end. Yeah the night after the end lost their big feud ending tag team title match. Uh, especially, I mean, I know it wasn't, I guess you like, I guess it wasn't like Odinson and Perot, but it's still like the end team and just sort of, uh, they, they could have won this match clean is my opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I guess it's nice that they established that like Dredden is capable of wrestling. That's like a, a thing that, to set up that kind of means something, but yeah, it's 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 absurd that the end didn't win it clean when their whole thing is to kind of be these big wrecking guys. Like it's ridiculous. Um, a guy hit a chandelier and that was pretty funny. Um, so that was <laughs> yeah. My only thing about the Drennan thing is like, I don't know. He doesn't he doesn't have as good a look as Perot or Odinson. Like he looked much more like an indie guy than either of those guys do, and. Like, if they are these world beaters, why couldn't Perot just handle these, the two jobbers? Like, I just, I just, yeah, we're talking too long about this match. Let's move on. Tracy Williams comes out after the match. Um, you know, there's a little beat down after the match. Tracy comes out, chases Perot and Drennan out. And that runs, of course, in classic evolved fashion, right into Tracy Williams taking on Odinson. Tracy defeated Odinson again with uh, the crossface. Another thing, I mean, at le- this made sense at least because it helped to continue baby facing Tracy, but it was something else like, I don't know. I guess without the first match, this wouldn't have been so offensive uh, because this like at least involves people who actually wrestle for Evolve and had a point contextually, but uh, it was just, it was fine. Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought the finish was really cool. The way yeah, that like Odinson was going for some kind of spinny thing with Tracy on his shoulders and he countered it into the crossface. Got a nice reaction. So, yeah, I thought this was a fun match and definitely had, yeah, as you said, put Tracy Williams in sort of the typical babyface role working from underneath and having his comebacks. So, yeah, this was this was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. I I would not have cut this off the show. I think I think it was fine. I think uh, I think Odinson showed some good athleticism that I wasn't expecting out of out of him. So, um, you know, it'll it'll be nice to see him kind of progress along. And and yeah, this this really showed up um, in Tracy's work how he's really set up as a babyface now. So, yeah, I I, th- I think this had a point. It was it was a good wrestling match. And yeah, so I would if this had been the opener, I would have been happy with it. Yeah, I guess. Um... The thing that most surprised me about it was 
this was the first time I was like, oh, this Odinson guy might have something. Like he looks, he's very raw. Mm-hmm. But I was like, okay, I could see this guy turning into something. Yeah. You haven't he's, felt, duh. Oh, am I? Am I like way behind on this? Yeah, I feel like I don't know. Like I, he's always like I don't know. I've always seen him as like the star of the trio, and and certainly the guy with the most athleticism and a guy. Yeah, he was that. He's yeah. I feel like I feel like our listenership probably. I don't know. Not to bag on you. This is harsh. Damn. I apologize. I'm being mean. But like, yeah, I, yeah. He definitely has a lot of potential. First of all, hashtag be nice to Bentley. And number two, um, I'm sorry, Aaron. Are 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 we worried about Odinson's tattoo at all? As a tangent, are we worried? Mm, let's a, yeah, give us your takes on the tattoo. It's a little. It's definitely. Is it a little flashy? Is it a little flashy? I'm I'm worried. I, I want I I'm not I'm not condemning him, but I do want to hear. I do want to. I do want to know. I'm worried. Yeah. yeah, when you combine it with like the Norsey name, it very much makes me worried that it's a. Uh, uh, it's white pride adjacent, and also, but also he's teaming with Perot, so that's its own situation. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I just, yeah. I just want to bring that up. I always think that whenever I see Odinson, I'm a tiny bit worried. But um, as as for his work, yeah, he he impressed me, and he has something physically there. Absolutely. I think that's fair. I'm worried about his tattoo. Also, uh, I guess I missed the boat on Odinson, but I just want to say that I'm here now, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Odinson uh, has to bring in the future. So. Catchpoint comes out to uh, do a little beat down on Tracy, but interestingly, the workhorsemen chase off Catchpoint. So we got some old rivals coming together. Uh, Tracy gets on the mic and says that he respects the workhorsemen and he'll have their back if Stokely tries anything in the main event. Everybody shakes hands. Tracy is like absolutely white meat baby face. Uh, you know, just the most generic version of a baby face you can think of in a good way. <laughs> Uh, AT, would you like to tell us about the next segment? Yeah, this was just the good shit. This is this <laughs> is why I paid ten dollars for the show. This is why I do ten dollars podcast. Yeah, on VOD. Yeah, plus twenty bucks a month. Plus twenty. Yeah, right. Yeah, there weren't shows last, but yeah, really, I don't know. I feel like I need to cancel my club WWN because when there aren't shows, you're just like paying them money for no reason. So I gotta gotta check. I gotta do the math again to see if I'm really getting my money's worth on the Club WWN subscription. But I did make, you know, I did get two dollars for worth of points, you know, for making these purchases. In any event, this is the good shit. This is why you drive eight hours. Some <laughs> guy called Brian Idol comes out, um, and Lenny Leonard's like, "That's Brian Idol." Otherwise, I have no idea who he was. Uh, first of all, you should mention that another oh. member of the Skulk entered and was attacked. So this was kind of just a, a whole weekend of beating up on the Skulk. Between... No, this wasn't a member of the Skulk. This was Cyrus. Was Cyrus Satin in the Skulk? Okay, well that that might that might be on me for not knowing who Cyrus Satin is. I'm Come on, Clara. That's a different guy. So Cyrus Satin is not in the in the in the Skulk. He's I been apologize. beaten. By Dominic Greeny and Fred Yehai in the past. He's been. I think it's Satine. Satine, yes. Excuse me. Cyrus Satine came out for a match. Billy Idol beats him up. Lenny Lerner's like, that's (laughs) Billy Idol. Brian Idol. Idol. God damn it. (laughs) No, it's going to Billy Idol. I thought thought you were doing a bit. I was going to let it slide. Oh, no. I just. That would have been a good bit. You should have let it slide. Yeah, yeah. All right. uh, 
This is Epitasis' favorite wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> so Billy Idol gets out there. And he's like... Nothing on oh. the Idol joke? Wow. Oh, that was good. I oh, it. wow. Yeah, that was just too... That was too opaque. <laughs> yeah, the, we're, we're 20 layers in. We're, we're 20 yeah, layers we're in. Many, We've been talking about this bit. too long. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Sorry. Yeah, so as I was saying, Billy Idol, he's on the, he's on the mic. And he's like... Even though they're handing out, you know, all these opportunities, I have to create one for myself. And he's like, oh, FIP, there's one man that I want, and it's Fred Yehi. So Friday, May, whatever, you and me, Fred Yehi. And um, it was just really rude because it's like, look, I'm already watching Evolve, right? I bought two Evolve shows this weekend. I'm not going to watch FIP. It's not happening. Stop asking me to watch it. I'm not going to do that. Um, and I, I just like, I would go to the show if it were live near me, but like, would you, if I didn't have much to do right not not right now, I'm like pretty busy in my life right now, but I don't know if it were the winter and like, I wasn't doing anything and tickets were like $10 and it was within 15 minutes for me, I would maybe go check out Brian Idol versus Fred Yehi. Um, but it was just like so random because it was like Fred Ye left the promotion due to a contract dispute. No one has established that he's like back or anything like that. They're advertising this match and like the baby promotion that most of us has forgotten exists. And it was just like this really didn't need the show is three and a half hours long. You really didn't need the Brian Idol calls out Fred Ye angle. Um, and I was just like, what am I doing? Why is this here? Who is going to... Look, if you're thinking about buying the FIPI pay-per-view, more power to you. But I would encourage you to just think about going outside, reading a book, <laughs> calling an old friend on the phone, watching porn on the internet. Anything, really anything else would probably be a better use. Of, I mean, there's just so much wrestling. Do you really need to be watching Brian Idol versus Fred Yehi at FIP on Friday? I feel like this is a personal attack on the dreaded Oakgen, who will almost certainly watch this match. Look, oh, I love you. <laughs> You're a good out. Don't watch this. Don't watch this show. <laughs> I didn't even watch FIP when it was on Flow Slam, and I got it for free. Oh, I think you missed. Yeah, I will never forget um, the first show with with the the big palm trees. In the- yeah, yeah, with the big palm trees and uh, the the clusterfuck match to begin with. Yeah. Whew. All right, we've already we've already talked enough about Uncle John's friends. <laughs> Brutal. We've talked enough about Billy Idol, I think. Yeah, I like that. We were like, "This was a waste of my time." Like, having to think about this, and then we did like a whole segment on it. <laughs> All right. Uh, in the first. Like, really good match of the night. AR Fox defeated Myron Reed uh, again with the Fox catcher. I really like this. I really like this. All right. What did you like about it, Cara? Oh, yeah. No, it just felt like the first thing that was really, um, really, really kind of just had, you know, AR Fox working at full speed, Myron Reed able to keep up with them, and just um, really had had that feel like it was something above and beyond in the ring where, you know, kind of every, everything else bef- uh, beforehand on the show was really just kind of going through the motions. This 
really stood out. It's like I like I th this just felt like something where I would tell someone who doesn't care about Evolve to like, hey, maybe check out AR Fox and Meyer and maybe they had a really good match. This okay, like I've been watching the best of Super Juniors all weekend, and this would not feel out of place in that. That's that's how it grew over. High praise. Yeah, this is good. I really loved um like the ace crusher dragon sleeper seg like uh transition that AR Fox did and I thought Myron Reed showed great fight, a lot of great facials trying to go and get the ropes. Yeah, the closing stretch of this match was pretty bonkers and great. Really brought the fans to their feet. Um yeah, this was really good. I thought the the middle of like the meat of the match was like good and solid and the closing stretch like owned. Yep. I, I agree. Yes, this was uh, this was very good. It just reminded me like how great AR Fox has been in this promotion. Uh, he's just like been one of the most consistent performers. So I'm happy to see him having a good run here. Uh, after the match, the Skulk put a bandana and hat on Myron Reed. Is Myron Reed now a, a member of the Skulk? I hope so. Me too. That would be cool. Hmm. Yeah, if, it would be good for AR Fox to get some people aligned with him who are like actual wrestlers in this promotion. <laughs> yeah, you can't be you can't be counting on uh, Tommy, Tommy Maserati to, to be your second. <laughs> You're gonna need a little more muscle than uh, you know than Tommy. <laughs> okay, uh, next we get the fray match, and I make a motion that we don't spend very much time on this. Ultimately, Josh Briggs seconded. Ultimately, Josh Briggs won, and it, Dom Garini was the last guy eliminated. This was not very good. Josh Briggs looked good at the end. Um, I think this was, the point of this was to get Josh Briggs over, and I think after a lot of wasting our time, that's what it eventually did. So, okay, cool. I, yep. was, sad, I was sad to see Dom get beat up so quickly. I'm a Dom defender, uh, and so... I think Dom's fine. <laughs> Um, not not going to do my Dom rant since uh, we said we're not going to talk very much about this. Yeah, sorry. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, this wasn't good. We can move forward. All I, right, moving right along. DJ Z defeated Zachary Wentz by pinfall uh, with the D, the ZTD, however you say that. ZDT? ZDT, yeah. <laughs> uh, did Zachary Wentz impress you any more in this match, AT? No, I was just thinking more about like mall culture and just like thinking about his life and where I was like, I was inventing this whole narrative in my head of like, yeah, I feel like Zachary Wentz. He's like middle class, but not upper middle class. He spends a lot of time at the mall. His parents voted for Bill Clinton, but then voted for Trump. Like I was just creating this whole narrative in my head about him just like going to the mall and being really into Fallout Boy and like in Ohio and just um, I was just thinking about his life and where he came from in my imagined uh, canon, I guess, but your head canon, my head canon. I was, I was just thinking about like, it was just reminded me of like a lot of people I grew up with on Long Island and like the strength of mall culture. Um, and I don't know. I was just like thinking about like, the like dearth of culture in suburbia and and all, and the fact that like all these malls are, which were places where people hung out. There was like, it was like funny. It's like the only space to hang out under capitalism, the public space to hang out was the mall. And then it was like, even those are going out of business. And so now there's like no public space for people to congregate and spend time in suburbia. So Twitter, baby. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
Right. I mean, that, that's where the, that's we move them all to online. So we move the socialization to online as well. Yeah, I know it's. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that even that is more thought than I probably put into this match. I was. <laughs> it, and like, it wasn't even like bad, like it was fine. Like I was, I was enjoy seeing DJZ like as a gimmick. I like, I mean that that's kind of the standard for a DJZ match is like, is the match better than his entrance and the air horn hitting? And in this case, probably not. So I mean, <laughs> it's, that that's not that's not a low bar. I mean, that's a that's no, a that's entrance a, rules. Yeah. So yeah, he's kind of stopped like trying to kill himself in Evolve, and I think that's brought down his performances a little, which I, that's sad to say, I guess. But yeah. This match was fine. Okay. Shane Strickland defeated Darby Allen uh, by submission with that key lock that he established on night one before the match. Had some words with Darby. Uh, sort of was on the mic and really let us in on his motivations for uh, this run and Evolve. He said he asked them to sign him three years ago, but they turned him down. So instead he went out uh, on the other uh, independent promotions, made himself a star, and now basically he's going to break everybody's arm and Darby was up next. So Darby said he was not afraid of Strickland, um, only of what Darby was going to do to Strickland. So very, uh, very serious words from Darby. But this was, this wasn't nearly as good as the Dar or as the Riddle Strickland match, but I also thought it was really good. Like Strickland was, uh, continued to be very vicious. I think what brought this match down was Darby couldn't bring the same type of performance that Riddle could as far as his selling and uh, being able to come back with violence against Strickland. Yeah, this wasn't at the same level, but it was, I agree with all of your thoughts. The thing I would say is I love the pre-match promo from um, Shane Strickland. I love just a character with like a clearly defined, explicit, relatable motive, right? And sometimes things in Evolve can get like, pretty muddled or they don't really make sense. Like catch point is about, we've been hearing for years, like catch point is about competition and no one knows what it means or why anyone gives a shit. But like, this is like so clear and obvious and it's just great. It's like great that this over two days we get Shane Strickland, right? A lover scorned, right? He wanted to sign with evolve. They didn't want him. Now he's shoving it up their ass. He became a star and now he's going to break everybody's arms to show them like what a big mistake they made. So I'm all in on uh, the Shane Strickland character and uh, and his his uh, his clearly defined motive. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I thought you know they really did a good job of setting up Strickland. You know, like I said, right away to the top of the card um, and showed off what he can do. You know, on the mic and in the ring um, as this new character. And uh, Darby did his part in you know being a guy that. You know, he garners a lot of sympathy just by existing, by having this, you know, backstory that everyone knows about him. So, yeah, um, he having having a match where Strickland can go over was something that's good for him right now. And yeah, I I like yeah, this this can measure up to the riddle match because that was legitimately great. And you can't expect every match to be at that level. And Darby is who he is. But um, I you know I I thought I thought Darby's offense, you know, when he got some he. He looked good. He has kind of this, um, you know, he has that carryover vibe from when he was doing, I, I, I vaguely know there was a storyline where he was learning some grappling and, he, and he's kind of worked that into worked that into his offense in a way that I think 
works for him and like allows someone like of, of his size to get some believable offense in. And yeah, no, I think good match. Very good match. I agree. Uh, after this, again, we had this Candy Cartwright and Darby um, interaction where Candy Cartwright kind of yells at him and tells him that Jarek is coming. So I guess we'll see that next month. Uh, in the next match, Austin Theory defeated Trey Miguel uh, after he hit him with Ataxia. Uh, I don't know. This wasn't that compelling to me. I was kind of in and out of it, to be honest, because I, I just couldn't didn't draw me in. Uh, I don't think Theory can really like lead this match yet with another young wrestler. And uh, Trey Miguel, for me, I, I liked him better than Wentz, but he also kind of strikes me as someone who does really cool stuff, but it doesn't always mean something. And I, that sounds like Jim Cornette. I apologize. But uh, that's that's kind of how he strikes me so far. Yeah. I don't know. Well, Cara, what do you think? <laughs> I have nothing interesting to say about Austin Theory. <laughs> Sorry, I zoned out. I was looking at Twitter because um, wow, Philip, that was Philip, that, that was my reaction to the match. I zoned yeah. out on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Philip Reigns, you know that guy, Philip, like the Clinton, the Clinton True. guy. Yeah, he says he's going to run. Um, he's going to primary uh, Bernie Sanders Hell yeah. uh, for his Senate seat. Is he from? He's moving to Vermont. I don't know if he's serious, but he says, I'm moving to Vermont to challenge him for the Senate seat. That way, there will be at least one Democrat in the race. People are are just like, I almost feel pity for them, you know? Yeah. If they, like, if they didn't all, like, spend all their time, like, defending the big idiot who lost, like, you would, like, you'd feel some pity for them, but they're just, yeah, their brains are broken. But yeah. Yeah. Um, Wait, but Wait, but why does Philippe want to run against Al Giordano? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good shit. Good shit. Good times. Um, but yeah, I thought that this match was like solid, but I kind of, uh, yeah, I don't have too much to say about it. Um, yeah, sorry. Okay, cool. <laughs> kind of fell down on the job here. This is, uh, <laughs> I, guys, I've just, I'm, pretty burnt out at the moment to be really honest with our with our listeners we're almost there at Kara and i will uh we'll carry this home okay the best part of this of this match was uh a little ar fox austin theory standoff afterward i really liked you know ar fox saying you know you're one of us and uh you know talking about the fact that ar fox trained theory and if they really want to get into it as we saw in one of the mini docs like austin theory is kind of the reason that ar fox is back and evolve. So there's a really cool story to be told here. Uh, Priscilla and Ayla Fox got in each other's faces. There was a very uh, unfortunate catfight chant. And uh, we learn later in the ma- later in the show that Austin Theory is going to defend his title against AR Fox when they're back in Michigan in August. So that's something to look forward to, but I guess also tells us that Theory is going to keep the title through, <laughs> through June and July. So, I'm looking forward to uh, Theory and Fox. But the next match, Doom Patrol retained the Evolve Tag Team Championships after Chris Dickinson pinned James Drake of the Workhorseman following the Death Trap. Uh, This is your official wrong boys, wrong prediction of the weekend as we were pretty confident that that the Workhorseman would win and they'd be doing something new with 
Jaka and Chris Dickinson. But I guess this being the final match between these two really didn't mean uh, anything at all. Yeah, it's like, what are they going to do with Dickinson and Jaka now that they retain their championships against the two other tag teams in Evolve? Um, but this was this slapped. This match banged. I thought this was great. I really enjoyed it. I thought this, I mean, the segments with uh, Dickinson and uh, Anthony Henry were really great. I thought that um, the last match, one of my critiques of it was that they didn't do a good enough job of really like um, being sort of, um, you know, intentional about like building the heat. Um, and in this one, they had a good, good heat segment on Austin Theory. Nice, big, hot tag to James Drake. Yeah, I thought that this was great. I love this match. So it was a lot of fun. Cara, yeah. have, you no, have you no interesting thoughts on this one? <laughs> no, no. I thought I thought it was I thought it was a great match as well. Um, I kind of get the feeling that um, yeah, what they're what they're going to do after this is is like we were talking about earlier is that Drake is kind of posed for a singles run. Um, it, it's po- certainly possible um, that seemed like it was what they were setting up with Lee is like really putting him him on that level. So um, I, I am sorry. Uh, that would. Yeah, that was James Drake. I'm sorry. I'm new to this version. I got their names confused. Yes, James. Yeah, James Drake and Keith Lee. That match. Um, that match at 104 is is re- really did a good job establishing him. So maybe that's where they can go. Uh, I don't know where they're where they're gonna go in terms of Jaka and Dickinson, certainly. But yeah, no, the match, as At said, both slapped and banged. So yeah. <laughs> All right, and then the main event: Matt Riddle retained the Evolve Championship uh, by defeating. Keith Lee by a pinfall with a running knee to the back of the head. Uh, this, of course, was Keith Lee's final match in Evolve. So, AT, what did you think of of the final war? A fitting send off. This was a great match. The show and the Weezer enclosed on two great matches. I thought. I thought that. Um, yeah, it was just like you felt like they were really in a struggle and like they were really battling, and it felt intense and like the championship really mattered to both guys and yeah i thought i i don't know a fitting end to their rivalry really just a, a great match to send everyone home and um yeah i don't have like a ton of i don't have much to say about it other than that um it just kept me on the edge of my seat i mean i knew that matt riddle was gonna win right but it still sucked me in yeah, yeah, I, I agree, and I think that like, I think they structured it in a, structured it in a way that was kind of like um, helpful to it in terms of like we knew that Riddle was going to win the entire time, so they just kind of um, they kind of did what I think in any other match that I would kind of call excess would had a lot of that kind of like play to a lot of I would say their bad tendencies in terms of like all these like one count kickouts, all these like no selling kind of things, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But like in the specific context of like, this is Lee's, this is Keith Lee's farewell. We're going to give him like the most like Keith Lee all-star match possible and let him, let him do his thing. Uh, I absolutely thought it worked as a great send off. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't really to my taste. Uh, and it kind of was a step back as far as Riddle's been getting away from this style of match and evolve. Uh, but I understood what was happening. It reminded me a lot of the uh, Chris Hero, Zack Sabre Jr. match when Chris Hero left the promotion. It, it just seemed like a, 
you know, rather masturbatory Chris Hero match to me. And I feel like this was the same. It was just like the uh, the quintessential Keith Lee match. So I didn't have any problems with it from that point. Uh, after the match, Matt Riddle called out Shane Strickland uh, and had Strickland come out. Strickland's out there with a chair. And, you know, ultimately in classic heel fashion, uh, does not get all the way into the ring, gets out. You know, so clearly we're going to get another Riddle-Strickland title match, which I'm extremely here for. But then the, the you know the main purpose of the of the segment happened, and I guess the, my favorite part of this was the Riddle promo to Keith Lee. It felt like extremely genuine and heartfelt, and it was like, look, Riddle, if you didn't like, I know Riddle is he does seem vaguely genuine, like in all of his promos, but this seemed uh, especially earnest. And I feel like if he did more of this, it would be a little easier to like him from like a babyface perspective. Uh, but this really worked. And then we got Keith Lee giving his farewell promo and uh, asking the fans to keep supporting him, which I liked, and also evolve. So I thought this was a nice ending, a nice send off for Keith Lee. Yeah, I thought it was really sweet. I thought Matt Riddle's promo was sweet. I thought Keith Lee bid us adieu nicely and a pretty tight one year run for Keith Lee, right? I guess is no a year and a year and a half. I guess because he debuted in January in Evolve 2017. Which tells us that Evolve let him out of his two-year contract. Oh. Well, yeah, I, I assume that that's part of the working agreement with WWE is that sure. they can kind of, that Tunner can just take whoever he wants to. Yeah. Right, and I'm sure that part of their selling point to these guys, you know, like Keith Lee could have signed in several places when he uh, decided to do a quote-unquote exclusive deal somewhere. And... I'm sure part of the selling point is we'll let you have an out if WWE comes calling. Right. So, yeah, no, I, I thought it was like a, yeah, it's just kind of wild that he, they did a good job with him, right? They had, you know, 16 months with him. They made him one of their two champions. He was the most popular guy in the roster. I would say at different points, um, had some, had some great, I mean, the, the Zack Sabre Jr. match in Chicago, the first Riddle match back in June at, at Laboom. This one, he's had some, he had some great matches. A lot of people loved him. I really enjoyed him. Um, congratulations to Keith Lee. I hope he goes and I look forward to seeing him on a takeover like a year from now. And um, yeah, I look forward to his takeovers. Yeah, Keith Lee and Velveteen Dream is going to bang, and then we're <laughs> then in like two years from now, we're never going to hear of him again. Right? He's going to be on some. He's going to be on the Fox Network. Yeah, the long interminable television show. Yes. Yeah, he's going to be on Fox, jobbing to probably still Randy Orton in like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's the Evolve weekend. Uh, I've been racking my brain, and I can't remember where they're going in June. Uh, so I can't tell you about that. But we will be back to talk about it. That's for sure. So I think that's it. Does anybody else have anything they want to add? They're they're in New York in June, right? I believe you. Yeah. All right. Well, wherever they are, we'll be there. Okay, Cara. Uh, I did not shout out your Twitter feed at the start of the show, so I want to make sure I do that. You got to follow Cara on Twitter. It's one of the best accounts in the world. That's how I got on the show. I was just being really good at Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
whatever David Starr thinks he is, Kara actually. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so it's at Kara Koyunlu. I don't know. Q A R A K O Y U N L U. Do it. Absolutely. The the first wrong girl is Kara, and we are glad to have her as part of the wrong team. Well, thank you for having me, and it was it was a pleasure. Anything yeah. else that you want to uh, plug or shout out, Kara? I would like to plug something. I would like to yeah. plug uh, something that a friend of mine wrote. It is uh, called "The State of the State and Revolution" by Vladimir Lenin. <laughs> I think you could all learn from your team. I think I think all listeners and hosts of this podcast could learn something. <laughs> oh. uh, right. she she's not wrong. She's not wrong. Thank you, Cara, for that suggestion. I I look forward to learning more about your friend, Vladimir. All right. I think that's it. Uh, Make sure you're subscribing if this is your first time listening. If you just came to listen to Cara because you were so excited that we finally had a good guest, uh, then make sure you subscribe. Check us out. Uh, We'll be back next month to talk about Evolve. And follow us on Twitter at EvolvePod. Catch me at AaronLikeTheCar and Aaron Taub at AP Taub, I feel like you have one more thing you want to say, AT. Oh, I was just going to thank Cara for coming on. Hell thanks, yes, thanks for coming on. And uh, once again, if you uh, if you guys still thinking about canvassing for Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, none of our listeners made it up uh, this weekend. I don't know why. I don't know. Maybe you guys were busy. Maybe it was too short notice. But it was an evolved weekend. Yeah, but I feel like our listeners should be more loyal to me personally <laughs> than the promotion you betray uh, everything involves yeah i have once again but yeah right so i think what so yeah we'll put the link in uh in the in the profile or on the episode description also going to be doing some phone banking so even if you don't live in new york and you want to help get a democratic socialist elected to congress and to help your friend aaron uh you know Look work on this project <laughs> what Look good to his socialist friends. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. This thing is a total failure for the DSA. It's really, I mean, it's, it's on, you know, a number of people, but it's like really, especially on me. Uh, so I need you guys to like, uh, you know, kind of do your part to make me look good. Uh, which obviously is part of the social construct contract. Of listening to the show. I'm so tired. I'm going to shut up. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, I'll be sharper next time around. You were great, Aaron. All right. Uh, like Aaron said, thank you so much, Cara, for coming on the show. We hope to have you back sometime. And yes, absolutely. <laughs> Excellent. We'll be glad to have you. Okay. I think that's it for Aaron. I'm Aaron. See you next time. Here it comes again. Lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.